This episode of The Significant Others was recorded across multiple lands and parts of Australia, so we would like to acknowledge the Ugumbe and the Wurundjeri people and pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This has been the most wild week. What a week, Mads. How you doing? I have so many emotions. It has been a roller coaster of amazing feelings and great feedback and then just like doubts and second guessing myself and some delightful trolls. Yeah, yeah, they're always there, but also so much amazing support, which continually surprises me and I know it shouldn't, but that was really special to hear from so many friends and family that are excited for us and then complete strangers who are also really excited. It's just been crazy. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good. I agree with you. It's been a big week. We've been sitting on this project for a while and just a little bit too chicken to put it out there. So we've finally done it. We're big girls now. <laughs> it feels good. It's, yeah, yeah mixed yeah. mixed emotions, but I think it feels good. And you're so right. I think we are so grateful to the support of the people who have really understood the purpose behind our vision. So thank you for being so fantastic. And kicking off with Emma Race was like unreal. She is just an incredible human being. Oh my goodness. I can't even believe that she said yes to doing this with us in the first place, but to fire off with a podcast like that to start was pretty cool. It was really cool. I think Emma is such an amazing human. Obviously we're both really inspired by her and we have been inspired by her to get this project going. And I hope that people who listen to the podcast also felt that way, even listening to it again since we recorded it really made me realize just how inspiring she was that day. Mm -hmm. It gave me those feelings of when she left the room and we kind of sat there a little bit quiet for a while, like pondering all of the thoughts and all of the the things that she'd shared with us, like, well, we have to do it now. (laughs) We can't let her down. (laughs) And I feel like the the episode definitely needed that little warning at the start of like, she is inspiring. She's the kind of go-getter and she acts, she moves, she pushes things along. If, yeah, if you had an idea and you spoke with her, you couldn't not follow through with it. Um, She also had uh, lots of topics to share with us and she really got us talking too. She she brings out the passion. She she makes us passionate. She brings that out in, in the both of us, I think. But yeah, a few really big topics. Obviously, a big supporter of AFLW. Oh, well, and AFLM, but I guess the progression of AFLW came up a fair bit. And then representation in the media, equality. We've touched yeah, on quite a few of those kind of progressive topics that we'd like to see the AFL move forward even further and faster with. Yeah, absolutely. And we thought with the week that's just been with Sir Doug Nichols round in the AFL M last week that we did actually see some really great movement in that diversity space from the AFL. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, it definitely deserves some more airtime. We have had an entire other round since Sir Doug Nichols' round and the conversation is still going and it needs to keep pushing along like this. So it's been really, really awesome this year to see actual movement and action from the Indigenous celebration round. Yeah, so we thought we are not qualified to have this conversation, certainly not alone. So we have asked a very special guest to come in and talk to us all about you may have noticed a lot of players wearing shirts that said free the flag on them this week. Uh, So we thought you might want to learn a little bit more about that. And just to talk a little bit about diversity in the media space and particularly Indigenous representation. 
We would like to thank the incredible Shelley Ware for giving us her time to explain this movement. Shelley is a football media personality well known for her participation on ABC's Outer Sanctum and The Colour of Your Jumper. Thank you so much. I think we feel like a bit out of our league and very, very grateful um, for your time. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So you just want me to launch into what I've been up to? Yeah. So it's been a massive week with the Free the Flag campaign, as you would have seen. It's been brilliant to see that all the clubs got behind Clothing the Gap. Laura Thompson's is the original campaign owner and she's been fighting this fight for over a year now. But to see it really come into fruition for her with the AFL jumping on board, and we all know that sport has such a capacity to change and that in Australia it makes you know, people listen, so it's been really wonderful to see all of the clubs get on board and they wore the T-shirts for their warm-up tops and training and some of them are wearing them apparently around the hubs and it's just been fantastic. Really lovely to hear that so many people have got behind the campaign. The biggest, most fantastic thing about it is all of the people around Australia have really joined in the national conversation and have been really interested in what's happening with the Free the Flag and, and why this is happening and for the first time hearing that the Aboriginal flag is under copyright and that it's not free to use like the Australian flag is for us to, to fly with pride and without any worry. So I guess we should explain the situation with the flag. There's somebody that has missed it and doesn't understand what's actually happening. So in 1971, Harold Thomas designed the Aboriginal flag and it was under the land rights that we needed something to unite Aboriginal people, that we could fight together for land rights and, and have this flag and feel connected. And immediately people felt connected. Aboriginal um, people are really drawn to it. So then that flag was with us at the um, tent embassy and that was probably the first time that people connected there in 1972. And then from there, it just went crazy. It was everywhere. People um, loved it. It's a part of who we are. It's our connection to culture, connection to our identity, to each other. You know, there's a feeling that has um, really risen over the years from it. Then there was a bit of contention about who actually designed the flag. Apparently, Harold Thomas, he was a, a student of fine arts at South Australia. And there's an artwork that is called The Night That Hides. And in that picture that he apparently could have studied is something that looks exactly like the Aboriginal flag. So that has been brought up as um, maybe that was something that happened and that he wasn't actually an original author of the flag. And, that, and then there was the contention that there was actually, when he went to copyright, that another man came forward and that was George Brown and that was in 1997 when he did the flag that he said that he actually designed the flag. All of that is mute because he won the copyright, so it doesn't really matter. According to um, the federal government, he mm. has the copyright. So then the really, really long story, everybody got connected, it was wonderful. And then there's self-determination. A lot of Aboriginal people haven't had the same opportunities that the non-Aboriginal community have had with business and self-determination. So he thought that he would license out the copyrights, which he has done to three companies. There's the flag company, souvenir company, and the digital and T-shirt company. So there was an exclusive licence then signed with Harold Thomas with Wham Clothing. And immediately when they announced that they had this licence, they immediately said that they had a team of lawyers that would send cease and deceased letters to anybody that was using the Aboriginal flag. And they meant it. They meant every word of that because it was immediate. 
it was it was literally then within days people started receiving these letters so they had to stop selling their products and so if they were going to sell them they had to go into an agreement where they would give part of the money to wham clothing that has caused a great deal of unrest and a great deal of um, nervousness about the flag and disconnect with aboriginal people and we really just want the flag free for everybody to use and it just seems really unfair that it's literally the only flag in the world that this has happened to and that, the, that we feel like the government needs to step in. And I'm no lawyer. I don't know what that next step looks like. It could be that we buy the right of Harold Thomas and that his family have the right to self-determination or the government might overturn the copyright. I don't know what that next step looks like, but I, I just feel really blessed that we're having this national conversation about it. So last week in the Senate, we saw that Senator McCartney and Senator Dobson actually um, had a unanimous vote for government to address the Free the Flag, and it was unanimous and everyone voted that the Free the Flag campaign and freeing the Aboriginal flag for Aboriginal people to use freely was passed, and that's what the government is going to address. So it's a massive win, and it shows you the power of AFL. So do you, do you put that down to the AFL? I put it down to the AFL and I put it down to the power of the people as well. People yeah. have driven this campaign this week. People from all walks of life, everybody, past players have come up. You know, we've got people, dignitaries have come into the conversation. People that we will never know who they were have been in the back of this campaign working with Laura and her team to make this happen. And then you've got to look at all the people on social media who push their clubs to be a part of this, you know, are talking about it with everybody. School teachers, you know, they're getting their students to study about it at school for homework. It's just everywhere and everyone's talking about it. And and the government has gone, oh, hang on a minute. This wasn't just something that, you know, a few people got together with the Free the Flag campaign. It's actually what the country wants. So it's just people power is magnificent and it's we're watching it live. And there's very few things that can unite every single football club. There's so many rivalries and, comp- you know, just the constant competition. So to unite every single football club and all of the, you know, the, the last sort of few clubs to come on board, their supporters and fans on social media and the likes were really vocal of, come on, we need to be a part of this. We, we cannot be left behind on this issue. It's so powerful to have everybody. It was so powerful. And the fans, they did that. They got that that their um, clubs involved and, like I said, it was 100% people power and the AFL, I think it's the fastest we've seen them move ever. Laura only pushed it with them in days before it was approved. So the, the beautiful part about it is that the Collingwood Football Club and the amazing people there, Debbie Lovett and um, Jodie Sizer, had this vision a year ago and had already been working with the AFL and um, that the players had already been approved to wear it to training. So, you know, we talked and Laura said, well, let's go for everyone because it just happened. Everybody just drew yeah. their attention and said, hang on a minute, is this really happening? This can't be so. And it just, just yeah. exploded. It was a huge conversation piece in the hubs, I noticed. We're sharing a hub with Carlton and Eddie Betts, of course, amazing human that he is, came out pretty early in his shirt and spoke about it. And I know that there was conversation earlier that Carlton were going to wear the shirts and there were multiple players involved in that in a way like it did take off through the players as well, which is really exciting to see, you know, sports people feeling like they can make a difference too about something that they care about. 
Absolutely. And for a long time, I think players haven't had a voice. You know, they've been controlled and told what to do because, you know, it is a very institutionalised space. And I think we really have seen them say, hang on a minute, we have a voice and we do want to be a part of it. There were players that were contacting Laura personally and Eddie Betts was one of them. I want a T-shirt. If nobody else is going to do this, I'm going to wear it. And then contacting their club and their club saying, absolutely, we'll get involved in this. But players were instrumental in this and they wore them with like such pride and it was of every nationality. How does that feel for you, not just as someone who works in in the football space and is so deeply connected, but as a football fan? Oh, so proud. Every single post that went up or every single team that I saw warming up in it on TV or wearing it after the game, singing the song, I literally like was so teary. I felt so so proud of them. They just did themselves proud and they did the sport proud and they showed the Aboriginal community that they really care. Should we tentatively book in a date for the AFLW season, Shelley, where everybody comes in their Aboriginal flag shirt when no royalties went to non-Aboriginal companies? Yes, I love that. That's how I think too. Let's vision it. Let's have that vision in our heads and make it happen. Is that the new Australia Day? I like it. Thank you. We've seen what sport can do. You are listening to the Significant Others podcast. So during this one week of the AFL calendar where we specifically highlight and celebrate Indigenous culture, sadly, with social media, the trolls didn't hold back and we saw just ongoing racism towards the Indigenous players within our code. And listening to your show, Colour of Your Jumper, Osman Faruqi said there's a part of him that wants to go a week without needing to talk about racism in the code. And it was beyond frustrating because that should have been the round. How does it feel, I guess, as an Aboriginal woman to still be a week where we specifically spend time highlighting Indigenous people that social media still holds such an awful place. Yeah, it's it's devastating. Like, oh, there's, there are many other words that I've used this week, but um, devastating is the one I'll use with you. It's, it is so hard that that is something that is still happening and I'm tired really tired and I was speaking to Paul Vandenberg from the Port Adelaide Football Club just tonight and we were talking about how hard it is to continuously write this has to stop on social media yeah like we're tired of that and we want action so we've got some plans and we are working on them that will be out probably just after your podcast comes out so we might even have to have another chat but um, Mm -hmm. it, it revolves around social media and doing something about these fake accounts. You are listening to the Significant Others podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about having dream time in Darwin? Do you think that should be an ongoing thing? I love dream time in Darwin. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was just so, so special and I think they did a beautiful job. But I think you can't go past the MCG and, you know, the 80,000 people that are there But I do think, you know, we've learned something with this footy festival that we've all been a part of that possibly we could share the love with Darwin a little bit more than we do. Build them a bigger stadium and let's make it happen. But, you know, they, you know, there's a lot of soul there in Darwin, but, you know, and there's a lot of soul, Aboriginal soul all around the country, you know. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem is that people think Aboriginal people are only up in the Northern Territory. And, you know, I'm trying to debunk that myth. 
completely understandable. So Aboriginal players are front and centre of every piece of media throughout the Sir Doug Nichols round and we know that it can be exhausting at having to constantly be the face of your own battles and as we are a week on now and there's been an entire other round of football, mm-hmm. we need to, I guess, move forward and look forward and see what actions we can take to ensure that this isn't tokenism that fades and that it's genuine so what can we do moving forward? Yeah, well, I do know that there are clubs that are talking about wearing the free the flag for all their warm-ups now, and um, so that's that keeps that conversation going. But really it's for everyone to have conversations with each other about things and, you know, that they that they learnt in the last week and a half about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And if you don't know a lot, because there's a massive problem, especially with my generation, that just didn't get the education at school that, mm-hmm. that explains our history. You know, there are still teachers that are too frightened to teach Aboriginal history and culture because they didn't get that education. So for me, it's really about self-education. If you're in a generation that missed that education, it's really important for you to read a book, watch a movie, go to Aboriginal festivals when you can, talk to Aboriginal people. You know, we love sharing our history and our culture, all the beautiful things about it. There's just so much and we want it to be yours as well. We also spoke a little bit before we called you, Shell, about how we could involve more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players, past players and commentators in the big seats, you know, in mm-hmm. the commentary box when we're asking questions not just about culture, which is important, but even more than that about the direction of the game yeah, and those big AFL questions. How do you think we can get that going? Well, I do know that the AFL is looking seriously into pathway programs and I think that's going to be a big push next year. They've had a media roundtable that started at the start of the year when everybody could touch each other, literally. And it was all of the big people from all of the media outlets all came and I was lucky enough to be there. And we shared our stories and I got to share, you know, my 20, 20 odd years in media and, and why I'm not in mainstream media. Why is that? And a lot of it is because I've been told lots of different things like uh, people aren't ready to see Aboriginal people on TV full time. People, you know, you don't have the skills, but we can't have the skills if people doesn't, don't take the time to give them to us mm. or give us experiences or give us a, a go. So I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of experience in analysing football, but after the game or talking about it pre-game, that kind of thing, there are people who live to call footy. No, I'm not one of those people. I'm the kind of person that's going to go, you know that guy, his mum cooks lasagna on a Wednesday night before he plays. I'm that person. (laughs) So, you know, there are people that love it and they're just not given the opportunity. So opportunity is one of the things, taking a risk on somebody and putting a lot of effort into them and giving them the skills, upskilling them. is pretty simple and it's the same thing that's afforded to non-Aboriginal players. Yeah, I think we would love to see it. And I think, you know, the traditional media probably underestimates how large a group of people there is who really want to see that change. Very much underestimated. Mm. And we're getting a lot of talk about diversity in the media, you know, not just with Aboriginal people, people of all nationalities. And, you know, everyone, everyone wants to see someone different because they bring a different angle. You know, we have, we're just constantly looking at this this narrow view of the world. If we bring in someone with a different background or a different lifestyle, then we bring in another opinion, another way of looking at the world, and it just makes the world a better place. So we can do that in the football world. We're not going to have ridiculous, you know, 
sexist comments that are thrown around or, you know, I'm tired of hearing about a barbecue at their mate's house from commentators, you know, <laughs> and inside jokes, you know. We've done this, boys. You know? I'm tired of hearing about what happened in the 80s. <laughs> what happened in the 80s? Or, or they played basketball or they went to this school, you know, like. Yeah, like so true. Okay, we've covered that. So, you know, <laughs> different, different people, like, you know, with different ideas and, and different backgrounds and let's hear their stories through um, commentating. Absolutely. Please. Well, we love hearing your voice, Shelley, and we are so grateful to have your time talking to us about something really important, something you're so passionate about and something that you speak about so well. So we're very humbled that you have joined us for this and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Significant Others podcast. If you have any suggestions of guests you'd like us to interview, please let us know and come follow us on Instagram at